Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's in the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to the Red Sea Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined by Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster for episode 262 of the show. Keaton, it's been a little while. It's our first podcast uh, of the 2023 season. It is yet to be 2023, but we're finally starting to talk about what uh, the 2023 team uh, will look like, and uh, I believe... This is the start of our eighth year of this show, which yeah feels pretty crazy. Yeah, that was a long time. We didn't yeah. even do a single podcast during the playoffs. We took the, all of the playoffs off. Yeah, um, I was kind of okay with that. I was. I, I think this year of Red Sox baseball rightfully took a lot out of uh, all of us who you know follow this team, and I'm sure that. Um, you know, our listeners as well kind of probably enjoyed a little bit of a break from, you know, thinking about this team. But, you know, now we're, we're ready to get back on the horse. How, uh, how involved were you in watching the playoffs and stuff like that? Were you glued to your TV with the playoffs or were you kind of just, you know, taking some time to, to regroup? Uh, I was closer to glued. I mean, there was some, some stuff I missed just because of work or whatever, but. I was watching pretty pretty much all the playoffs. Nice. Was some good playoffs, some good games. Yeah, definitely was. It was good playoffs. Um, I thought the divisional round was definitely the best. Uh, I liked yeah. when there were so many matchups and so many games. Um, 
but it turned out to be a pretty good World Series as well. So congratulations to, you know, Dusty Baker for finally getting over the hump there. That was pretty cool. And old friend Christian Vasquez, um, you know, getting another ring. That was awesome. But, uh, you know, uh, I, I think Pena, you mean Pena, you mean. Yep. I, I think I would have preferred uh, that the Phillies have one just because I like Bryce Harper and so many other players, Kyle Schwarber and Dave Dombrowski and, you know, lots of guys on that Philly team. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm fine with it. How do you feel about the uh, World Series? Yeah, I was rooting for the Phillies, but I like Jeremy Pena a lot. So yeah. I was happy to see him do well and get lots of recognition. Yep. And your boy, Trey Mancini. Yep. So Of course. Yep. N- not uh, not going to complain. But um, let's get to the Red Sox here. Um, first, dominoes of 2023 uh, have begun to fall. Xander Bogarts has officially opted out of his contract and will reach free agency. Um, this is what we expected from Xander. And, um, you know, there was a little bit of hope there that he would get something done with the team before they got to this point where he would opt out of his contract. Uh, that clearly didn't happen. So my question to you is, how are you feeling about him being back with the team right now? Has this changed anything about how you're feeling about it? No, I still don't feel great. And I just feel, just continue to feel worse with each passing day. And I, I just don't think that's really going to change until there's a decision one way or another. It just doesn't feel great. And it just, any time that he speaks, too, it doesn't make me feel any better because it just, or really kind of anybody speaks. It's not just him either. Um, you know, he keeps saying that he wants to be here. He wants to figure out a way to get something done. And the Red Sox are just like, well, you know, it's out of our hands. You know, it's up to him. It's like, what? That's, that's not how it works, man. Come on. Talk well, to him. Get it done. <laughs> now it's very much not up to to him it's uh right it's very much up to the red sox to put a, a respectable proposal uh in front of bogarts um are you surprised that they didn't get anything done with him um before he did reach free agency and, and declare i mean were you surprised they didn't work harder during the playoffs to to get something done when they could have yes and no um not surprised because you know, I don't know, doing the right thing doesn't seem to be a, <laughs> a top priority for the Red Sox uh, recently. So, or, you know, doing something that would make a whole lot of sense for the team. Um, and and kind of surprised because that would have been the opportunity to do it. Their, their focus was, I mean, they didn't really need to, they weren't playing games. They had a bit of a lull in downtime. Um, they showed with um, the extension to Kike Hernandez that um, they weren't waiting for the offseason to officially begin before getting these things started. Um, so I know that once the Red Sox season was over, Bogarts wanted to kind of take a break and just not think about things for a while. So it wouldn't have shocked me if he was just like, hey, I need a sec here. Try, Please don't contact me. <laughs> kind of thing just actually need an actual vacation and a, and a break but um yeah i would have actually tried to get something done because then all of your focus could have been on that and you could have um you had a small window where it was still just you and no other teams could have bid and all of your focus was on the the conversation so if you really actually meant everything you were saying um leading up to the end of the season that was a great opportunity to get something done 
So I'm surprised that it seems like absolutely nothing happens, but also not surprised because that's kind of been par for the course, right? That's just been consistent. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, that that's absolutely true. And it seems like, if anything, Devers seems to have been more of a priority uh, in, in that time period because there were all those uh, reports from uh, different different reporters uh, that had uh, connections in the Dominican Republic about the Red Sox going down and you know potentially making an offer uh, to Devers uh, around his birthday um, and you know those reports came in a couple weeks ago and nothing ultimately ended up getting done there but you know it, it seems like at least from the reporting that that was more of a focus than getting the Xander thing done so maybe. Maybe there were just clear signs uh, to to Bloom and and the Red Sox that he was intent on testing free agency and and not to bother him, but it, it certainly seemed like a missed opportunity uh, to me. Um, but thinking about him being back at the team, I mean, what what percentage would you put on it at this point if you were to kind of make a guess as to you know how likely it is that he resigns with the Red Sox? Thirty percent. Wow, uh, that's not very optimistic at all. No. <laughs> Where are you? Uh, it sounds like a cop out, but fifty-fifty. Um, that's really, really kind of how I'm feeling about this. Um, I, I do think that there is real um, want on Xander's behalf to to be here, and I still do stand by the fact that if they make a respectable offer uh, to Xander that he's likely to take that and not likely to, you know, chase uh, the absolute highest dollar value uh, that he can get. And I, I really do believe that. Um, but I think we should talk about what, you know, his contract might look like here. So uh, Fangraphs every year does uh, great predictions on what they think uh, the contracts will be for the top free agents on the market. And uh, Ben Clemens is the one who did that article this year for Fantrax, and they do median crowdsourcing, average crowdsourcing, as well as Ben's prediction. And uh, Ben has Xander at seven years, 31 million AAV for a total of $217 million, whereas the uh, median crowdsource is six years, 28 million, 168 million dollar contract uh i've been pretty adamant that i think that it's going to take seven or eight years um to get bogarts here uh and i've always thought that that was going to be somewhere around 200 million bucks so i I actually think like seven with slightly lower aav than than ben has seems kind of right on to me like maybe seven and 210 what do you think yeah, that feels pretty in the ballpark. Um, there's kind of like a bit of a disparity with his crowdsource numbers there. The crowdsources had a, a lower AAV around like 28. Although his AAV of 31 is right in line with what um, Spotrack also had as his market value, $31 million. Um, they had six years instead of seven, but um, that seems to pretty much be the range they're basically right around 30 million in six, seven years. Seems pretty consistent across a lot of different uh, expert projections here. So that, and that 
kind of also fits with what you and I were kind of guessing things would look like too. So seems pretty fitting. Yeah, I think I think I lean a little bit towards like the six year twenty eight mark, but it's still still a really solid contract. So I don't know if I'd do the split hairs. Would you be upset at the Red Sox if he signed um, for, let's just use Ben's maximum contract here, the thing that he uh, is predicting, seven years, 31 million AAV, 217. If he signs that with like Atlanta or some, some other team, the Phillies, whatever, um, would you be angry at Heimblum for not matching that deal and, and keeping him here? Yeah. Me too. Yeah, I absolutely think that they need to get that done. Um, and, you know, the other thing that I'm kind of proud of, I feel like we, we sort of led the charge on this throughout the season is, you know, we, we started talking about how how this could impact the Devers situation. And uh, since the Red Sox season end, ended, there's been a ton of reporting um, from people talking about how Xander's decision uh, could impact Devers staying as well. So, you know, I, I felt kind of proud that we were out ahead of that situation. Yeah, I agree. And I know I noticed that you had called that out on um, on Twitter as well. It just seemed fitting, so I was a little distracted because I just saw a tweet from Alex Spear that says, Hi, I'm Bloom. Just described Bogarts as the team's clear top choice to be shortstop next year. And said talks will continue. More to come. Good news. Good news. Does that make you feel better? Yeah. I, I mean, I've always been kind of optimistic that they would they would get this thing done. And I think I ended the season um, with more optimism than I started it, to be honest. Um, I, I just felt like that's kind of how the team was trending. And I think some of that is the... Uh, the social pressure that is now on uh, the Red Sox organization after really underperforming in um, 2022. I think it would have been much easier for them uh, to turn away from Xander had had 2022 gone, you know, how I think they wanted it to go. If it had been a repeat of 2021 or something like that, I think it would have been much easier for them to uh, move away from Bogarts. But, you know, the fact that he was by far their best player, uh, in 2022 and uh, that they, they're struggling so much uh, recently and they just have so many holes. I think it's a no brainer. Yep. Um, let's move on to the next one here. Uh, next bit of news that's come out. The Red Sox have declined the $12 million uh, mutual option on Tommy Pham. Um, this seemed pretty much expected. It was initially reported as a $6 million option, but you know, over the last month or so, it's come out that it's been a $12 million option. Uh, and it seemed pretty clear cut that, you know, Tommy Pham at this point in his career is not worth $12 million. Uh, do you have any interest in a Tommy Pham reunion with the Red Sox at some sort of a reduced cost? Because I imagine that he would fetch probably, you know, less than $5 million if he were to come back on like a one-year deal. Sure. That seems reasonable. And they need depth. 
That was goddamn depth. If they actually want to build a team that will compete, like they keep telling us they're going to, then they need to solve the depth issues. Um, and that seems like he was a pretty good fit here in the second half. Um, so at a reduced rate, having him as the depth option for the outfield, I like it. Yeah, I don't mind it either. Um, I I like Tommy Pham, and I thought he was a pretty good fit with the Red Sox. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, I think there are a couple options I would prefer to Tommy Pham. I think I'd rather have Mitch Hanniger, uh for sure. But if you can't land uh, Mitch Hanniger in the outfield, I think that Pham would be you know, nice little fallout. And we've talked about this this market before. It's really like Judge, Nimmo, and then, you know, not a whole lot of really yep. impressive options. Um, and I don't really want anything to do with Judge or Nimmo. I know I'm in the minority there with uh, Judge. But, yeah, I, I think that uh, you could do worse than Tommy Pham. And he, he surprised the hell out of me with how good of a fit he was uh, with the clubhouse and the culture and sort of the at-bats that he took. I mean... He kind of reminded me of a um, less impactful version of Kyle Schwarber in the way that he came in and approached at bats and sort of like set the tone with taking a lot of pitches and, you know, being being a little bit more selective at the plate. And I think it it did have a a bit of a uh, trickle down effect on the rest of the lineup. Yeah. Um, Our next couple pieces of news. uh, are in regards to two other guys who had options, uh, Chris Sale and Eric Hosmer. Uh, both can, can opt out still. They haven't formally uh, not decided to opt out, but it is expected and reported that both of them will opt into the rest of their deals. Um, Chris Sale is going to be making a whole bunch of money, uh, $20 million plus over the next couple of seasons. Uh, Eric Hosmer, three years at $13 million per um, certainly neither of those guys at this point would really command that on the open market. So my question isn't really whether these will be exercised, but you know, what do you think Chris Sale's role will be on this team next year? It's kind of been talked about that, you know, he could fit right in at the, the as the ace of the staff if he's healthy, but some other people are a little bit more skeptical, maybe want to move him to relief to sort, sort of solve some of the problems there. Where are you at with Chris Sale? Relief makes no sense to me at all. Uh, he absolutely should be a starter, um, and I would expect him to be your ace, um, especially given the who is here right now. Um, he's by far the best starting option that you have. I don't know why you would want them want him in the well. I mean, why you'd want him in the bullpen is try and save his arm, um, given the fact that he's pitched. Was it? 25 or something, 30 innings since like 2019. Um, That's not a lot. Yeah. So sure, I understand that, but no. He should be a starter and he should be your ace. Um, And he sets the tone for the rest of the the rotation. I don't think uh, him being in the bullpen makes a whole lot of sense. No, it's absolutely stupid. Uh, I don't understand any of the people who are, you know, wanting to kind of save his arm to put him in the bullpen. First of all, I don't think that it's even any guarantee that he would be any less injury prone out of the bullpen, you know, pitching more days per week. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to pay a guy 20 plus million dollars to be a converted uh, reliever at this point. And I know that Chris Sale has had some history relieving, but his place is at the front of the rotation. And with two years left on his deal, I'm sure Chris Sale wants to go out there uh, and prove himself to be healthy and effective so he can get you know, another deal and stick around baseball. Um, and, you know, two years left, man, you sh- you want to get everything you can possibly get out of Chris Sale. And the path to value for him is uh, as a starting pitcher. So 100%. Yeah. And if he's uh, not about- in the rotation, that just leaves yet another hole that you'd have to fill. And it's just way harder to fill that than adding someone to the bullpen. So it just as far as like the roster construction of the Red Sox, he's got to be in the rotation. Yeah, we're we're hundred percent on the same page with that one. I think the Hosmer situation though is much less clear. So he's a left-handed yeah. bat like Casas is. Um, it's not clear to me whether or not you know he would be used as a in a bench role. I don't think it would make a ton of sense to have a bench lefty first baseman. Uh, not sure it makes a ton of sense for him to DH considering he doesn't have a ton of pop in his bat. Uh, does it make sense to trade him? What, what do you do with Hosmer? If you're in charge of the team, how do you approach this situation? He is kind of attractive uh, with his contract situation as trade bait. Yeah, that's exactly the route that I would go because I just, I just don't see a role. Um, like I said, besides DH, but you've got to be able to upgrade that to someone else. Um, someone else like Jose Abreu. That sounds great. Yep. <laughs> I'd love that. That's what I want so bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's just, that would basically be, I mean, he's got the inside track um, for the DH role right now. Um, just given who's currently on the roster, but um, I have to imagine that that's not going to stay that way, or at least I really hope that's not going to stay that way. Um, but yeah, also it doesn't, I don't know if him being on the bench makes a whole lot of sense either. Um, but given the fact that, yeah, his contract is now uh, not super obscene. Um, no, it's makes him, the league minimum. Yeah. Makes him much more attractive to be traded. So yeah, I think that's, I would be much more aggressive on that route and then look for someone else to fill that hole at DH. The only thing I could see um, throwing a wrench into this plan, uh, and, and I don't think it, it would for me if I was in charge of the team, I'd still go out and try and get a guy like Abreu. Um, but, you know, Casas is reportedly uh, dealing with a knee issue right now. He's playing winter ball, yep. or is supposed to be playing winter ball, and is dealing with a knee thing. So, Casas hasn't proven to be the most healthy guy, uh, so I could see a situation where uh, Bloom acts pretty conservatively with, uh, you know, going out there and, and getting a guy like Abreu and just decides to keep, uh, you know, a, a league minimum Eric Hosmer as Casas insurance. Uh, but but I don't think that's the right move, and I hope he doesn't do that. Yeah. There's another wrinkle to this than that he still has a full no-trade clause. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you'd have to imagine if the Bloom points out to him, like, hey, you don't really have a role here, uh, and we're going to trade you somewhere where you, you'll play, 
mm-hmm. he'll probably find that more attractive. <laughs> so yeah, um, I'm hoping it wouldn't be difficult to get him to be on board. Yeah, you would think so. It's uh, I'm sure he wants to play every day. Um, the so the next contract situation, and I think the most interesting one, uh, and you know we should we should have a decision on this very soon. I think by Tuesday, uh, and we're recording this on Monday, so maybe you'll know by the time we're listening to this. But uh, James Paxton, uh, he has that two year, twenty six million dollar option that the team can exercise. Um, but he also has a $4 million player option that he can exercise if the team decides to decline his two-year $26 million option. Uh, he didn't pitch at all last year. He was a guy that we were just waiting on, waiting on, waiting on. didn't happen. Um, what do you think ends up happening with the James Paxton situation? That's a really good question. I don't want, I mean, I feel like the Red Sox need to decline it because, I mean, for sure, I mean, Paxton is uh, less than 20 innings since 2019. It's even worse than Sale. Um, (laughs) So banking on or picking up a $13 million option on a guy that is going on almost four seasons without having thrown major league innings um, is a little ridiculous. So if you if you like to, to take a chance and keep him around, um, try and do it at the four million dollar player option. But I think we asked we we had this conversation last time we um, we potted in. I don't if I'm the Red Sox I don't pick it up because I just it's far too risky. I'd rather just go a different route. Yeah, I actually think that what's going to end up happening here is the Red Sox decline the two-year, $26 million option, and Paxton also does not exercise his $4 million option. Because I, if I'm James Paxton and I feel like I'm healthy, but the Red Sox aren't sure that I'm healthy, um, I feel like I can go out there and have a workout and get a team to commit more than one year and $4 million to me in the spring. You know, I could easily see him getting like one year, 10 million bucks or one year and $8 million. If he just looks good and healthy in the spring. Yep. I totally agree. That would make a lot more sense. Yeah. So I don't expect Paxton to be back with the team. Um, so this Thursday, though, after the Tuesday deadline, um, is the deadline to extend qualifying offers to players for the 2023 season. Um, the qualifying offer for 2023 is $19.5 million bucks, And uh, there are a few candidates for the qualifying offer for the Red Sox. Those candidates are Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, uh, Nate Eovaldi, and Michael Waka. Um, so let's go through these guys. Who out of these guys are you going to give a qualifying offer to? Let's start with Xander. No. What? We'll just sign him long term. Well, I mean, yeah, that's the goal, right? But like you have to give him a QO in case 
He doesn't sign with you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that one's that one's a lock. That one's the, the no brainer. But yes, I'm with you. Just don't screw around with this sign up to a long term contract. Yeah. Um, J.D. Martinez, though, this is a very interesting one. Not coming off a great year. Thirty five years old. He probably signs the QO if you give it to him. How do you feel about J.D.? Yeah, it is interesting. Um, I think I'm kind of leaning towards no. Um, I know, I think it started to look a lot better at the end of the year. And maybe that was some health-related things and trying to play hurt um, helped contributed to you know some of that down year. Because we talked a few times about how his quality of contact still looked really, really good. He just wasn't hitting home runs. Um, and he obviously was still, you know, drawing walks. Overall, still looked pretty good. Um, but there were signs of decline there, and he obviously he's up there in age. Um, one year, though, maybe I don't feel so bad there, especially if you don't have any other options at DH, and you have the option to... Um, Bring it back as a DH for one more year. Um, maybe I don't hate it, but I think I'm leaning towards no. Yeah, I think I'm leaning towards no with JD too. Um, I, I don't know how much is left in that bat. I think the health issues with the back are real at this point and, and certainly impacting his ability to perform on the field. I'd rather pay the money uh, for a guy like Abreu to fill that DH spot. And I think, you know, the the predicted contracts for Abreu, uh, what I'm seeing is a lot of two-year deals right around uh, anywhere between 16 and 18 million AAV. Um, and so I would feel much more comfortable with that just because I think Abreu is a, a much better hitter at this point in, in his career. And I think there are other options there that I'd, much rather pursue. So I'm a hard no on the J.D. Martinez qualifying offer. Um, the next one, Nathan Eovaldi. I am also a surprising hard no on uh, Nate Eovaldi. No. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, um, I don't like what I saw from Eovaldi towards the end of the season. The velocity dip was worrisome. We didn't really see it fully rebound. Um Nate's had a lot of injury issues. I think you can do better uh, than Eovaldi, especially for that money. You know, as as we're seeing a lot of these uh, contract predictions come out, and obviously these predictions aren't, um, you know, the end-all be-all, but, you know, there's a lot of other starting pitchers that look pretty attractive um, for, you know, less money than that. Uh, if I'm scrolling down here, to uh, Chris Bassett, for instance, like the crowdsource for for Chris Bassett was uh, three years, sixteen million per forty-eight million per year. Ben Clemens' prediction: three years, seventeen million per fifty-one million. Like, I'd much rather, if I'm gonna spend that kind of money, uh, go out and get somebody for multiple years who offers a little bit less risk. Yeah, that's probably fair. I think you may have convinced me too. Because I was leaning towards yes. Just given who's in the rotation. But 
you're right. Given the other options, you might be able to go another way. Feel a bit better about it. And get more years than just one at a cheaper rate. I like it. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Uh, the next guy, Michael Waka. Um, this is somebody who a lot of the fans for the team fell in love with this year. He had a, a really good season. Um, but this is one of the guys we talked about all year as, you know, having uh, advanced metrics that just didn't quite back up what he was doing. Um, and, you know, looking towards next year, he, he projects as being kind of a one and a half war uh, pitcher, at least by a couple of the, the models that have come out, Steamer being one of them. Um, predictions for him as a contract, uh, two years, $10 million AAV. Uh, 20 million per. I don't want to sign Waka to a $19 million contract. <laughs> for a yeah. Year. No, that's a little too much. Um, you know, if he was at like 10 K per nine instead of seven, then I'd feel better about it. Uh, but if he was also putting up that kind of strikeout rate, then, you know, the tertiary numbers probably look way better. And he's probably in line for a lot longer contract um so yeah i'm good so it sounds like the both of us are only giving xander a qo and uh yeah 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 i mean that sounds right uh i i think also the fact that you know the the return is going to be just a fourth uh fourth round pick because of uh where you are uh in terms of where you were on the luxury tax makes it, you know, uh, makes me a little less risk averse to giving out these QOs. Makes you have to think about the financials a little bit more, I think. Yep. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, all right, next deadline, November 15th. The Red Sox need to protect any players who are Rule 5 eligible uh, by adding them uh, to the 40-man roster. Um, this is going to be really interesting. So I sort of grouped some of the guys into different categories. Um, here are the locks that I had. Uh, Sedan Rafaela, the exceptional center fielder. Brandon Walter, who could realistically be like a back-end starter. Uh, Chris Murphy, a left-handed pitcher who could definitely stick around in a bullpen. Uh, and Enmanuel Valdez, who was the second baseman, who was a pretty good hitter, uh, who came over in the trade for uh, Christian Vasquez. Uh, next group I had would be potential ads. Um, Thad Ward, 
um, who is a guy who we both like quite a bit, uh, made his way back from injury. Steven Scott, who's playing in the AFL, doing pretty well there. Uh, and then some guys who are in the low minors who played well this year, Edison Polino, uh, Brainer Bonacci, and uh, Willier Abreu, the outfielder. Um, he made it up to double-A, um, albeit with not quite the same hitting success. Um, kind of a corner profile there. Let's talk about these two groups here. Um, how many of those guys would you protect uh, and add to the roster, and, and do you kind of agree with those four players being locks? Yeah, I think I do. And then the I got Thad Ward is the only one from the next group that I feel pretty strongly about. I know um, he's a little bit older, 25, um, going to be 26 beginning of next year. Um, but did have Tommy John, so he had a bunch of lost time in there too. But he looked really good when he came back, and it's it's hard not to to be like, I gotta see more. I gotta see more. I'm not ready to, to come loose yet. Gotta see more. Uh, it was only 33 innings at Double A, but it hit, when he came back, what he did at Portland looked really, really, really good. Strikeouts were way up. Um, walks weren't really anything crazy out of control uh era looked great stuff looked great i it was a even though it was a small sample it was large enough for me to want to see more of him here with the red Sox. so i'm not quite ready uh to say that you know his, his development's taking too long um especially with the injuries i gotta, I gotta see more and with the injuries and he was also part of the lost 2020 season so um, minor season with COVID, so that kind of I'm not ready. Got to see more. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I think that Ward's definitely a guy who I would add. Um, so yeah, I agree with you 100. I I'm predicting five guys. Um, I think Ward's stuff is just too interesting, especially considering yeah. you know all the holes uh, in both the bullpen and the rotation that the Red Sox have like. You gotta, you gotta figure. You gotta take a chance on an arm like that. And the arms that they have here uh, in that group, you know, Walter Murphy, Thad Ward, those are all guys who could realistically stick on a major league roster for the entire season um, yeah. next year um, because they're you're, they're advanced enough to do so. And then Sedan Rafael, an exceptional defensive player, he could stick on a roster for an entire year, even if he didn't hit. And Manuel Valdez is interesting because defensively he still doesn't have much of a home, but he hits well enough um, that he could probably, you know, hang out as a as a bench guy uh, for the year. I think the other two that are interesting to me, but probably not protecting, are Stephen Scott, who's having a pretty good uh, AFL as a catcher, still has a lot of defensive holes, and then Edison Paulino, who can play kind of everywhere defensively and who had a heck of a season uh, hitting. I, I think it would be a stretch for a team to keep Edison Paulino on the 40 man or on the uh, 26 man, I should say for the entire season, but it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that a team takes him in my opinion. No. 
And just also given the specific skill set, it wouldn't shock me if a team, I mean, I keep coming back to Kansas City, but like David Hamilton being on a team for an entire year also wouldn't surprise me just because of the speed. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to keep someone like that on the roster. So I wouldn't be shocked if he got taken either, but I don't think the Red Sox should protect him. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think they should protect him either. Uh, a couple of the other names that I had as long shots were Christian Koss, who's kind of a utility guy, utility infielder, Wickelman Gonzalez, um, another pitcher, and A.J. Politi, who's a reliever. Um, ultimately, I just don't think that any of those guys would stick on a roster, and the Red Sox have usually been pretty conservative when it comes to protecting these guys. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, There are a lot of DFA candidates on the 40-man roster right now. Easton McGee, Jake Reed, Caleb uh, Hamilton, and uh, a surprise name that actually Chad Jennings mentioned in one of his pieces recently uh, was Jeter Downs as somebody who could potentially be cleared off of the 40-man roster if they needed to. Um, I feel like that's a little bit of a long shot, the Jeter Downs thing, because I know that his his prospect stock has dr- dropped tremendously over the last couple of years. But I, I think he's still like a good enough defender that I could see him easily being claimed by another team. Yeah, and also, I mean, I know the Red Sox have like a ton of middle infield like types like him, but he's still like the youngest option of them all. Uh, and I would think still has potentially the highest ceiling so i wouldn't mind keeping around i feel like that would be a a bit weird to cut ties with him now at this point yeah i would be surprised i would expect him to be traded to somebody for at least some value um before being dfa'd yeah um non-tender trade deadline or non-tender deadline, not trade deadline, is November 18th. Um, so guys who are arbitration eligible um, can be non-tendered, not offered a contract uh, with the Red Sox. So a, a couple of the names that I want to go through here, I just want to get your take on whether or not at their price you think the Red Sox should tender them a contract or non-tender them. So let's start with the first one, 35-year-old Ryan Brazier. Uh, his ARB estimate is 2.3 million bucks. Would you extend him a contract? No. I wouldn't either. I have not seen enough from Brazier. I'm done with him, and 2.3 million bucks seems like way too much for Ryan Brazier. Yes, it does. Next one, Rob Refsnyder. Uh, Played really well last year. Hit well, defended well. um, Seemed like a good fit for this team. His estimate is 1.6 million bucks. This one's annoying because you're right. He did have by far the best year of his career. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was also like the most he's ever played his career. And given, I mean, he's going to be 32. I don't think what he did was real. And I don't, I guess, I mean, He's obviously a bench piece. I guess he can play infield and outfield. 
and 1.6 isn't that much, so I guess I wouldn't be that upset. He's pretty much an outfielder now, though. He hasn't played yeah. infield in a while. Yeah. I'd rather have a better bench piece, but I wouldn't. I feel like he's coming back. Yeah, I want him back. I I saw enough from Ref Snyder last year uh, that I want him back. I, I think he's a pretty good defender, and I think he gives you quality at bats uh, late in the game in, in certain positions. Uh, you know, when you need him to, he's certainly not an easy out. Um, so I, I'm a fan of Ref Snyder. I'll, I would definitely bring him back. Uh, Franchi Cordero is is the, the one guy who I think we've maybe disagreed on more than I don't know, maybe anybody on this team over last year. Um, he's due to make $1.5 bucks. Uh I think I know where you're going with this one, Keaton, but are, are you bringing Franchi back into the mix? No, I'm good. <laughs> okay, okay. This is a surprise turn. I feel like you had been the Franchi defender for a long time. I well, mean, that was you've... relative to who was on the roster. Okay. Given the options, <laughs> okay. I was like... Sure, let's try and ride Franchi out because there's no other option. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm 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 totally with you. I want nothing to do with Franchi Cordero at 1.5 million bucks. No, yeah. thank you. Uh, Josh Taylor, the lefty, 1.1 million bucks. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Uh, no, thank you. Really, I I know the Red Sox have a lefty problem. They don't have a lot of them. But I would just I would rather do something like promote Chris Murphy or whatever. I just think Josh Taylor's cooked at this point. I've seen no evidence of him uh, being at all ready to come back to anywhere close to the stuff he had before the injury. Yeah. No, no way for me on on Josh Taylor. Okay. Yu Chang, he's the last one here. Nine hundred K. Uh, which is pretty cheap, you know, not not too much over the major league minimum is what he's expected to get. Uh, plays all around the infield, uh, very versatile guy, not a great hitter, but, you know, decent. W- what do you think about Chang? No. Again, this just comes back to building out the depth. There, there's got to be better depth options. Yeah, this one I'm a little bit more torn on. Uh, I'm certainly not as high on him as I am Rob Ref Snyder. Um, I would be kind of okay with it. Oh, we got some uh, we got some breaking news. Oh, the Red Sox are declining the two year option on Paxton. Oh, and great! Are, and are awaiting word on whether he will exercise his. Perfect. All right. So as we expected, that's good. Yeah. There we go. Um, so we got can... everything we did in that entire segment. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> With you, Chang, though, I, I think I agree with you ultimately, Keaton. I think they can find somebody better. However, I would be okay if they extended this contract to him. I wouldn't get mad at it. Would you get mad at it if that? Well, I guess probably not, since you said that you you want Rough Snyder back, also. So yeah, if they bring both back, you're fine. Yeah, I don't think it's a great idea. <laughs> like, that's not not the best bench you could assemble. Um, yeah. Um, you know what? I rescind it. I think you you bring back Ref Snyder. I think you can do better than Chang. 
Heck, yeah. I think you could, it might even be fine. Like, I'm not even sure that Downs would be a worse idea, uh, and he would be cheaper than Chang. Yeah. So I don't know. Not a not a not hugely tied to Chang, and I'm kind of sick of Heimbloom just claiming old Rays that he <laughs> had something to do with before. <clears throat> Seems like he's just doing it because he's like, oh, I know that guy. All right. Yeah. We'll Bring me Blake up. Snell. I'll be happy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll take that. Uh, all right. We wanted to get to a trade proposal here, um, and we did have some uh, breaking news as well before we got on the podcast, which I take this breaking news with a real grain of salt. Um, but, uh, Perry Manassian, who is the GM of the angels has said that the team will not trade Shohei Otani this off season. Uh, I don't think anyone around baseball really believes him that he's not going to be shopping Shohei Otani. Um, so the Athletic put together a piece. It was nine different trade proposals um, for Shohei Otani, and Chad Jennings put one together uh, that was Marcelo Mayer, uh, Brian Bayo, Tristan Casas, and Blaze Jordan for Shohei Otani. Would you do that trade? I would. Me too. I mean, easily. Uh, I think it's a sizable package, but like you've, you solve, you replace Bayo immediately with a better pitcher. Uh, and you replace your DH with an unbelievable hitter. Um, yeah. I mean, your hope is that two of those guys turn into what Shohei Otani can do right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think it's That's a, a no pretty brainer. tall task. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And, and plus, like, you know, you think about Mayer, if you're actually serious about signing Xander long term, um, he's playing shortstop for you. And then, um, you know, with uh, Casas, I mean, there are a, a fair amount of first basemen uh, on, on the market that you could go out and solve first base with as well. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes it difficult. Obviously, especially with the way that Bayo closed out last year um, and seeing what the potential could be. But again, it's still potential and it's just still raw and still being worked on. And if you're able to take that potential and that risk and turn it into tangible, absolute stud, yeah, you got it. Because that's, and this was, uh, we had a question about this on the last pod right was like do we um covet prospects too much and this is kind of like the perfect example of that because um especially with two guys that just broke into the majors with Bayo and Cassis and just getting our eyes on them and being really excited about them like it kind of amps it up a bit but they're both still just potential and risk and having the opportunity to turn that into like actual talent, actual realized talent. Uh, you got to do it. We talked about that with the Soto trade and how often uh, when these like superstar trades happen, the team that acquired the superstar uh, wins the trade by a significant margin every single time. 
no matter who they gave up and how many players they gave up in whatever package to acquire, it's the team that did the acquiring of the superstar always works out for them. So it would suck because I think we're all pretty much huge fans of Bayo already. And we see the potential in Katz. I'm really excited about it. Um, but there's still so much room for them both to to bust or regress or just not reach that like the superstar potential that if you have an if you have a legitimate opportunity opportunity to turn those guys into Shohei Otani, you have to. Yep, I'm a hundred percent there, and also it would just be the most exciting thing ever uh, to have Shohei Otani in Boston. So true. Yeah, that would be amazing. All right, uh, let's uh, get to listener questions and get on out of here. So our first question here comes from a great big lark. He says, uh, feeling DH if JD does not return, which we think he won't, has seemingly gotten less attention compared to all the other things the Sox need to do this offseason. That being said, it's still an important hole to fill. What do you consider are the best options to fill the DH role next year and years to come? Uh I'll start off with one that we kind of already mentioned at the the top here. Uh, Jose Abreu, I think, makes a tremendous amount of sense. Um, He's projected to get a two-year deal. He's a right-handed bat. Um, He just posted the best full-season ex-WOBA of his career, uh, and he's had a great career so far. The power was down a little bit, but he would be my number one draft choice uh, to fill that role. Um, What are some other names that you like there? Um, yeah, that's good question. Uh, I don't know. Um, let me throw out some names to you and see if you like them. Yeah. Um, a couple other ones, uh, Michael Brantley, uh, right-handed hitter, not a ton of power, but certainly a professional hitter. Uh, Matt Carpenter, who really had a resurgence last year with the Yankees. Yeah, I don't buy that. Um, Nelson Cruz at 42 years old, he could become available. He's got a $16 million, uh, mutual Carlos option. Santana, maybe, um, Carlos Santana is an option. He's a switch hitter. Um, Justin Turner looks like he's going to have his option declined, uh, by the Dodgers. He's 38 years old. He could be an option. Uh, your boy, Trey Mancini is on the market. Would love DH. that. 100%. Uh, let me give you a couple others. Um, Jesus Aguilar, um, who had a, a down year, but he's a right-handed bat. It's kind of interesting. Uh, Yuli Gurriel at 39. Not a ton of power there, but still delivers some professional at-bats. Miguel Sano at 30. And uh, Brandon Drury who is sneakily coming off like the best season of his career. He hit 28 home runs last year. Uh, he's 30 years old and can play kind of all over the place as well. That's an interesting option. Uh, any of those guys catch your, catch your fancy. Would Trey Mancini be your number two? Yes. I like Trey Mancini a lot. I also really am interested in the idea of Brandon Drury, you know, I'm sure you remember Keaton. He was like a top prospect for a while. Sure do. Um, And he seems to have put it together. I do like the idea of having 
somebody as your DH who doesn't have to just be your DH because Drury could kind of move around and fill in uh, at different positions if you need to. So I'd be kind of uh, happy to have a DH who could also play the field if you needed him to. I suppose. I'm not as concerned, I guess. Yeah, I, I just I think it's like a nice to have. It's not necessarily sure. like, yeah. a, you know, a, a huge selling point. <clears throat> but I do I, agree that Drury is interesting. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Those are probably the three. Abreu, Mancini, and Drury. I mean, those other names, there really isn't anybody exciting. Like Santano, I only mentioned because of his ability to get on base. But actually, even last year, that was down quite a bit. So... That's probably not reliable anymore. So that's not great. <laughs> yeah, I, I do like the idea of Trey Mancini though. So yeah, uh, Abreu Mancini that would be ideal. Yeah. Uh, Patty O D has our next question. He says, "Do you think that the uh, Fenway Sports Group possibly selling Liverpool means anything for the Red Sox?" This was sort of a huge piece of news that dropped today that they are exploring selling the team. It's rumored to be worth more than $4 billion at this point. So uh, they'd certainly make good uh, on their investment. What are your thoughts on this whole thing? Um, I don't think it has a whole lot of an effect on the Red Sox, to be honest. Um, I think in our... Uh, so I know Dan and I have talked about this before. Dan and I are both pretty big soccer fans. Um, and I think in the uh, the OTM Slack, you made a good point that they uh, they know they can't cons- compete with all these petro states buying up teams, make a profit at the same time, so they're getting out, um, especially after all the success that they have had with the team. So I think that's really kind of where it's coming from, not really um, – much anything else, so I don't think it really affects the Red Sox much unless they plan on taking $4 billion and making sure that Devers is here for a really long time. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that maybe there is, there's a little bit more attention directed towards the Red Sox. Um, and I know that that's a popular talking point that, probably doesn't have a whole ton of truth to it because each of these are just massive operations. You know, you think about the teams that FSG owns Liverpool has so many people dedicated to just Liverpool and the Red Sox and the Penguins, uh, in the NHL and, uh, Fenway Roush racing as well. So, you know, these, I don't know how much it really matters, but, um, I don't know. It can't hurt. I suppose, right? Yeah. Wonder if they're trying to do this so they can buy the commanders. <laughs> that would be something. Yeah. I, I'm I'm rooting for the uh the Jay Z uh led buying group to, to get the commanders. I think that would be cool. That would be fun. Uh House of Kuzu has three questions for us here. We'll run through these. Um, the first one says, assuming they will cost the same draft capital, who would you go after? Sean Murphy or Brian Reynolds? This is his first one. Ooh. That is a good one. 
Oh, I'm going to go Reynolds, to be honest. Ooh, I'll take the opposite side there. I thought I'll you would. Sean Murphy, yeah. Uh, I think having a, a catcher who can hit and who can defend that well is just such a luxury. Fair. And also, I'm not convinced Brian Reynolds is still a center fielder. Because his metrics were, were kind of rough last year. Yeah. Right field needs a hole, too. Fill that in. Right about that. That's for sure. Um, do you actually think, though, that they would cost the same draft capital? Uh, was the Murphy's like a couple of years younger? Oh, he's got way more control, right? Draft capital is sort of a weird way to put this, but. Um, I'm assuming that meant like prospects. And, yeah, that's uh, that's what I think as well. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that ultimately Reynolds would still command a slightly bigger package than Sean Murphy would. Yeah, I don't think they would be that far off. They'd be similar. I don't think there would be a, a huge gap. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Especially with uh, how valuable teams view up the middle defense and catcher position yeah uh his next one says that now that minnesota has declined his option would you bring in miguel sano to play first base against lefties to spare casas i'm a hard no on sano yeah i'm good i'm gonna say sanope didn't he get sent down uh i don't know i can't remember he struggled mightily though yeah, he was really bad, um, and he didn't actually didn't play that much in 2022. Was he hurt, or was he in the minors? <laughs> I think he was hurt. I mean, his 2021 wasn't that great either. He hasn't well, been that good made in a while. Runs. That's not so bad, but everything else was not great. Yeah, I'm good. Same. And his final question says, one to ten, how scared are you that someone will offer Xander something he can't refuse? Ten. Can I go higher? Eleven? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Crank this thing up to eleven. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty worried. But all they gotta do is get in the ballpark. That uh that would be good. Starting off with offering him something that is not a complete insult be a nice start uh jeff good has our next question he says how do the red sox become fun again i would say they start winning and then dancing and then repeating (laughs) good 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 i would say uh start by signing your homegrown players in uh bogart's endeavors and I think uh, as long as we, the fans, see that the Red Sox are trying to do the right thing, that goes a long way for me in terms of how I take in the product. You know, if I feel like generally the team is really trying, even if things don't work out on the field, I'm going to be much more lenient in how I assess the product. Yeah. Healthy Kike Hernandez is also a lot of fun. It goes a long way. Absolutely. And if you can get a full season of defense out of Trevor Story, too, yeah. hell yeah. That'd be nice. Oh, so. 
Uh, Mike Toomey has our next question. He says, would you eat Yellick's terrible contract? I would not eat it personally, but... Um, <laughs> A lot of calories in there. <laughs> if it got you Burns and Woodruff, the trade value widget says they basically cancel each other out. I'm going to go in here and say that I think that the trade value widget is nuts. There's no <laughs> way, no possible way that... Milwaukee, even as a small market team, uh, gives you both of those guys for taking on Yellick. But yes, I mean, this hypothetical, there's no possible way that I don't make that trade. Uh, that's That would be awesome. Yeah, I would too. And also, Yellick is still really good. And so, he's still young enough that he could rebound. Yeah, I mean, last year... His quality of contact was still absurd. Um, he was top 10% of the league in hard hit rate. Um, he had a 13% walk rate. He was top 2% of the league in max exit velocity. Uh, he was barreling the bejesus out of the ball, well above av- league average. Um, it really, like, the only... <laughs> The only thing that was his issue, which has always been his issue for his entire career except for one season, was his launch angle. His launch angle was three degrees. It's just hitting shit on the ground. The one year that he was able to actually figure it out and had an 11-degree launch angle, he hit 44 bombs. (laughs) So, yeah, you just – whatever you need to do to get him to put the ball in the air, and he's like 50 homers and 30 steals. And he still has that potential. I mean, he's still – he had stolen 19 bases this year, uh, even with the, the I guess, air quotes, down year. He had 14 homers, 19 steals. The average was down. But again, you'd find some way to get him to hit the ball in the air, which obviously has been what everybody had, has been trying to do with him uh, for his entire career, except for that one season. Whatever he did that one season, you need to bring it back. Uh, and he's like MVP caliber again. So, yeah, I would – a hundred percent take a chance on that and his terrible contract plus Burns and Woodruff and whatever I needed to trade Milwaukee to get those three guys. I'd do it. Yeah. And I'll go even one step further. I would take just Woodruff, uh, with the yellow contract. Uh, I wouldn't even need both of these guys. I've long been a, a Woodruff huge fan. Uh, he's like, one of my top three favorite pitchers in the league to watch uh, this, just the amount that he is in the zone um, with his stuff. And he still misses bats. His fastball is one of the best fastballs of any starting pitcher. Uh, just, I, I've been like the hugest Woodruff fan. That would be a dream. Um, so I would actually rather have Woodruff than even Burns, who I think is, you know, largely considered even a better pitcher at this point. But, you know, Woodruff's one of those classic power pitchers with great command who goes deep into games. So that would be wonderful. Uh, and our last question, I think this is an appropriate last question to close us out, comes from Williams, and he says, do the Red Sox give a shit? I hope so. sure <laughs> hope so. Then we'll find out, depending on where Bogarts is next year. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're we're gonna find out their level of give a shit uh, real fast this year. I, I cannot yeah. see this being one of those uh, years where you know February March is about to roll around and there's still a shitload of holes on this team. I think uh, they're gonna be acting quick. 
this year. At least you'd hope. Or else we'll know. They don't give a shit. True. Yep. You better, or else Heim and company won't have jobs. Yeah. Otherwise, right. your uh, your pasta uh, embargo will just continue forever. And I can't have that. I mean, I am planning on going to the North End so- shortly, so <laughs> I, I really can't be on a pasta embargo any longer. Yeah. All right. Keaton, that's it for us. That's our show. Uh, everybody out there, thank you for tuning in to us. It's been like a month since you've heard us two uh, together here uh, chatting with you about baseball. So we do appreciate it. We appreciate you tuning into the other shows on our network as well. And uh, we hope you have a lovely week. 